Morshov! What's that? Do you hear it? Understand, Max. Don't they know what I've done? As he watched the small girl, he thought he might melt. If he did what she did, would he feel what she felt? And the luscious sound swelled, reaching up to the skies. And the Grinch heard with his heart and it tripled in size. I don't know how many times I've seen that movie, but every time it comes to that part, it's arguably my favorite point in the movie because it's the point when the Grinch gets it. When he finally understands, and I mean, I don't, they don't really go into what happens to him after this, but I can imagine that years down the line, as, as the Grinch is looking back across his life, he looks at, at that moment and he says, that's when it happened. That's when my life changed. That was the defining moment when everything was different, when I finally realized. It's like a, a line was drawn in his history where everything before it was completely different than everything after it. It was a defining moment, and we all have those. We have those moments in our lives that change everything. Maybe it was your wedding. Maybe it was when a child was born. Maybe it could be a hundred different things, but you have that moment in your life where you look back upon your life and you say, when that happened, that's when things changed. That's when things became different. That's when the timeline of my life was divided. And the difference between what was before and what was after, it's like night and day. As a collective body, we have these. For good and for bad. When the bomb was dropped on Hiroshima... That was a defining moment in history. Atomic energy was released. The world was never going to be the same. What happened before was going to be completely different than what happened after. We have these moments throughout history where these lines are drawn and, and there is a distinction, a, a defining moment, but none of them, no moment has more impact than Christmas. Christmas was a line that was drawn 
where what came before was different than what came after. And sure, we could look at it and say, well, that's when the Christian era was, was ushered in. And that's what we, we base our, our calendar off of it. We have B.C. and A.D., that line that was drawn. But it's more than just what happened to the calendar. It goes beyond just how we number the years. Christmas changed everything. And as we come into the Advent season, this is a time of year, for better or worse, this is the time of year when pretty much every pastor starts preaching on the exact same thing. We have our list every year at Advent. We got to preach about John the Baptist. We got to preach about the angels and coming to Mary and the virgin birth. And we got to talk about the shepherds and the wise men and all of the stuff that goes into the nativity. But Christmas Christmas is more than just a point in history, but Christmas is more than the nativity story. There is so much more that goes into this defining moment. That's what I want us to look at. This line that was drawn in history, this line that, that separates what happened before with what happened after. And we're going to do that by looking at some scriptures that we don't normally look at at Christmas. We're going to start in Acts chapter 3. In Acts chapter 3, Jesus has been crucified and resurrected, and he's given his disciples the, the, the mission to go and make disciples. And that's exactly what we find Peter doing. Peter goes into the temple and he begins to, to tell people about the resurrected Christ, about the, the scriptures and all the, the prophecies. And this is what he tells the people. In chapter 3, verse 24, he says, All the prophets who spoke from Samuel forward announced these days, You are the heirs of the prophets and the, and the covenant that God made with your ancestors when he told Abraham, Through your descendants, all the families on earth will be blessed. What Peter's saying here, this is what the prophets talked about. We have all of these people who came before and they've told us what was going to happen. And everything that they said, what they said this is going to happen, they were talking about these days. What does he mean by these days? The days in which he was living, the days in which we are living, the days of the incarnation of Christ, when Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven and took on human flesh. When God became man, at that time, at that moment, there was a line drawn in history that separated not only B.C. from A.D., but transformed the entire world. Because in that moment, what came before and what came after stood in stark contrast. Because as Peter described, what came before would be described as the age of promise. The prophets told all about it. He goes back to, to Samuel, and, and you could look at all the prophets. You could look at Isaiah. You could look at, at Daniel. You could, you could pick a prophet. And they talk about this very thing. When God, when God would bring a Savior. When God... When God would fix things, we all know the world is broken. They could tell back then the world was broken. 
And God's promise was that he would bring in his everlasting kingdom, that God would fix what was broken, that God would make it right. And that's what they were looking forward to. When God would fix things. And it was this line, this moment, when Jesus took on human flesh, when, when everything changed and the past was different than the future. And these days that Peter was talking about, these days are, are the age of fulfillment. When everything that God promised would come to be. We're in the Advent season. It's a time of anticipation. And if you're a kid, it's a countdown. Growing up, we always had that, I don't even know where we got it. I think my uncle was a 7-Up dealer or something. And we would always get these, these pictures of Santa. And they had all those spots on the beard. And you were to, to glue on cotton balls once a day. And you were counting down waiting for Christmas. And that's what the kids do all December long. It's a countdown. It's a wait as they're anticipating, as they're anticipating what has been promised. They know the drill. They know what's going on. They know that on Christmas morning, there are going to be presents under that tree and they're going to get to open them. And that's what they're looking forward to. That's what they are anticipating. All December, it's been promised. All year, it's been promised. And they've been asking, I want this for Christmas. I want that. And they're waiting, expecting that when that day comes, when they cross that line into Christmas, that all of those promises are going to be fulfilled. That's the anticipation that was building throughout that entire age of promise. And that's what they were waiting for in this age of fulfillment. What exactly was the world waiting for? If we look at the prophets, they explain exactly what God said he was going to do. Isaiah chapter 53. He says, therefore, I will give him a share with the great and he will divide the spoil with the strong in return for exposing his life to death and being numbered with the rebels, though he carried the sin of many and pleaded on behalf of those who rebelled. That last line, he pleaded on the half of those who rebelled. Now, chances are your Bible says something a little bit different. I read from the Common English Bible, and I really like the Common English Bible, just because it does a really good job of taking those complex ideas, all of that churchy language that most people don't understand, and, and rephrasing it into a, a modern way that would appeal to the masses. And I love it for that purpose. But sometimes, sometimes... Other translations say it better. And if you look at the majority of Bible translations, they are going to say he interceded or he made intercession. And that's, that's essentially what pleaded on behalf of means. If you're interceding, you're, you're pleading on behalf of someone else. But there's more to it. Intercession is more than just pleading on behalf. And I'm not saying that that the, the common English Bible translation is wrong. There's just more to it. 
There's more to intercession than just asking or, or pleading. Now, you guys know I'm, I'm the father of five children, some of them teenagers, for better or worse. And if you remember what it was like to be a teenager, then you understand the plight. Some of you grew up in the rock and roll era, and your parents were none too happy that you listened to that devil music. They didn't like the movies that you watched. They didn't like the music that you listened to. And it was a big old thing from generation to generation. It happens every generation. And I decided I didn't want to be like that. I'm not going to like all the stuff that my kids like. But I wanted to make an attempt. I wanted to try to understand what it was that they enjoyed about this stuff. And that has led me into some corners of entertainment I never thought I would go. But my oldest daughter, she was into anime. She still is into anime. And if you don't know what anime is, anime is it's basically just Japanese cartoons. And just like any cartoon, they have some that they're, they're geared toward kids and, and everybody can watch it. And they have some that even adults shouldn't watch. But there's, there's the whole gambit in between. And one show in particular that, that she wanted to watch, and so I chose to watch it with her, was a show called My Hero Academia. BNHA for short. It's a Japanese translation thing. Don't even try to understand it. But, but My Hero Academia, I'm not saying you should watch it. I think it's TV 14, so just keep that in proper context. It's a superhero show. In this show... The, in the entire world, 80% of people are born with these superhuman abilities. And so, as they grow up and they develop these abilities, some people choose to use them for evil. And so the bad guys, they start committing crimes using superpowers. And so the good guys, in turn, they start fighting crime with superpowers and, and they're superheroes. And so this whole, this whole hero profession is born. And the... the the whole show centers around this class that is learning how to be the next generation of heroes. In particular, two of them named Deku and Bakugo. Again, they're Japanese names. If you're going to watch anime, you just kind of have to get used to weird-sounding names. But these two grew up together. Deku and Bakugo, they, they grew up together, and Bakugo was always the superior one. He was always the one that everyone said, he's going to be the hero. He's the one. That, that we need to look to. He's the one that we're going to lift up. But as they got farther and farther in school, Deku began to catch up, and Deku began to, to act more like a hero. When people were in trouble, he was the first one there to help. He was the one that, at his own expense, would, would jump in and help other people. And as with any superhero story there's always some super villain who's trying to end the world you don't have a good story if you don't have someone trying to conquer the world or whatnot all of that comes to a culmination uh, towards the end of, of season six and if you haven't seen season six which i'm guessing is like everybody here this is a warning for some spoilers at the end of season six they the class confronts this big bad guy, and his name is Shigaraki. Again, another Japanese name. You just kind of have to get used to it. But there, it culminates in this giant battle 
where titans, gods, if you will, are fighting against each other and, and there's destruction and mayhem and, and people are being killed left and right. And it's, it's a terrible situation as the heroes fight tooth and nail to stop this big evil in the world. And Deku and Bakugo, they're in the heart of that, fighting to save everyone they know and everything that they love. And throughout all of it, Deku is worn down to the point where he can barely fight anymore, but the bad guy is still coming at him. And there's, towards the end, there, there's one final attack where the bad guy, it looks like the end. He's going to destroy Deku. And as you see it coming and there's nothing he can do to stop it, Bakugo jumps out in front. He doesn't think, he doesn't plan, he reacts just like a hero, and he, he goes in between, he intercepts, he intercedes on behalf of Deku. And it, it's a common movie trope, it, it's the story of heroes. You probably could name a, a story where somebody is, there's a train coming at them, there's a, a car, there's, somebody's being held at, at gunpoint or, or something like that, and a hero swoops in at the last minute. And they push them out of the way. They save them from danger. Many times at their own expense. That's what it means to intercede. Yes, it means to plead on behalf. But Jesus, Jesus stepped in between. Jesus came between mankind and the righteous wrath of God. And he took that punishment upon himself. Just as the prophets predicted. He said he was pierced because of our rebellions and crushed because of our crimes. He bore the punishment that made us whole. By his wounds, we are healed. Like sheep, we had all wandered away, each going his own direction. But the Lord let fall on him all our crimes. This is that defining moment. As Christ came in the flesh for this very purpose. Just as the prophet said, just as was anticipated. Paul puts it well in Romans chapter 8. He says, so now there isn't any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. This was the promise. And this is what was fulfilled in Christ. When that defining moment when Christ took on flesh at Christmas, when we move from that age of promise to that age of fulfillment where God did what he promised he would do where God took care of the problem that we could not, where God interceded. He stepped in between. He took his punishment. We took the punishment upon himself. That's what Peter meant when he said these days. And these are the days in which we live today. Christmas is that line in history, that defining moment. Where God's promises are fulfilled. 
where all that God said would happen was realized. And the world would not be the same. Everything that came before stood in stark contrast to everything that came after. Because Jesus Christ brought redemption for those who trust in him. But just like all the kids on Christmas morning, as they're waiting in anticipation for all of those presents, this gift that is being given, it must be received. And therefore, those who trust in Christ, those who rely upon Jesus, they have salvation and they have new life. That's what Christmas is all about. And that's what... That's what we're talking about. That's what we celebrate in the sacrament of communion. As we look at the person of Christ, as we look upon what he has done for us, all those promises that God made, all that anticipation for what was to come, it all culminates in the incarnation of Christ. And his invitation to receive his sacrifice on our behalf. We're going to partake in communion here in just a moment. But before we do that, I would encourage you to take some time and reflect upon this defining moment. Maybe even the defining moments in your life. Where God stepped in where your life was changed and transformed. In the Church of the Nazarene, we, we don't have a lot of requirements for partaking in communion. You don't need to be a member. You don't need to take a special class. You don't need to reach a certain age. All that's required is that you have received the gift that God has so freely given. The gift of life in Christ, and you have turned from your sins. And if that is you, I welcome you, I encourage you to partake with us. As the music plays, I would invite you to, when you're ready, make your way down the center aisle to receive the elements, the bread and the juice, and to take them back to your seats. And once we have all done that, we will partake in this holy sacrament together. Well, scripture gives us clear warning about how we receive this. And so I would encourage you to examine yourself, to check yourself to ensure that, that you are doing it with the right heart and with the right mind. And to come humbly before God this morning. I'll pass on to you that which has been passed on to me. That on the night when Jesus was betrayed and arrested, he gathered together with his disciples and they shared a meal. It was during that meal that Jesus took the bread and when he'd given thanks to God, he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You may partake of the bread.
In the same fashion, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he held it before them saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You may partake in the juice. Every Christmas we get caught up in, in the little baby in the manger and that's important. Don't get me wrong, that is crucially important. But what that child in a manger represented was not just one more baby. What he represented was a line drawn in history that changed the entire world, that changed life as we know it. Because intercession has been made. The price has been paid for you and for me. The gift that has been promised has been realized. That we might be made sons and daughters of God. If we would choose to receive it. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your gift. We thank you for your life. We thank you that... Though we have sinned, though we have wandered away, though we have committed crimes against you, that you stepped down and took that punishment upon yourself. That you interceded, that you jumped in between, that, that, you, that you were punished when it should have been us. That you were pierced. That you were crushed because of what we had done. And God, this Christmas season, may we not get distracted by all the lights and all the presents and all the, the traditions and the good things that we do. But God, may our focus remain upon you and the implications of what took place that first Christmas and how the world was transformed because of it. Go with us this week, I pray. Walk with us as we continue to seek after you. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you and we'll see you next week.